Broadcasting live from sunny South Florida, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. Your KMA crew, the Italian scallion, Paul DeGracco, Alex Tavella, a.k.a. The Goat, and always telling it like it is, Honest Abe. I like to smoke them like the Winston Churchill. Good morning to all our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers on the leaf. This is KMA episode number 459. We are broadcasting from sunny South Florida. And as always, I'm here with my trusted gang, the man they call the Italian Scallion, also known as Pathetic Paul. <laughs> nobody calls me neither no, n- nobody calls me either of those just so you know <laughs> and of course I'm waiting the man, for my kids to catch on the man who gave them that name the goat <laughs> i was gonna say that's not true i called you that the other day in the meeting Did i guess you? yes that's where you got the name i wasn't <laughs> able to hear it because of all the craziness Did you a babysitting during the meeting Listen, I, we had plans for my wife to go out at five o'clock, and I tried to do the meeting before then. But you know, I'm a father. What am I supposed to do? Alex, what is what is that like being a father? Do you have any idea? I have no idea what it's like being a father. Listen, listen. listen during COVID, you're telling me that Alex a never huge burden. Much teachers a huge burden for Paul being a father. Hey, hey, and, and Alex never home. had his kids. Alex never had his kids jumping around on the couch when he was on meetings with us. Hundred percent when we were working completely remotely. So are you just gonna, yes, live, when your, you had are you gonna live your life the rest of your life like in the COVID state? Is that your philosophy? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, listen. Do I have my kids jumping around on me and stuff? Yes, absolutely. You know, I don't work time. No. No. When we were doing meetings, you there were several times. There were a couple of times when you were in the what car. Meeting? What meetings? Our KMA what? meetings. You would you'd be you'd be holding your your phone in the car and then honking the horn like son of a bitch. Hey, listen. You would doing may, this with the phone. That may have happened one time. Maybe twice. Once since so this was one from- this was one time you heard my kid. If I'm in my car honking and cursing, what is that gonna do with my kids? <laughs> There was one well, time but I'm just you, saying. There was one time you did a KMA meeting. I think you were driving somewhere, and 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 uh, Carmine. Was and another that. time, your Carmine was another time. Carmine was with you on the couch. I think it was when you had COVID. Oh, oh excuse me. And, the, I, and he no. was jumping around on the couch. But you guys are giving me a hard time for one day. They were eating dinner. KMA when I had COVID. Oh, are you serious? Every week it's something. You're cooking pasta. Your babies. I mean, every week you you are oh, so. Actually, detached. That, I did do that. I was. Oh, you are so detached from your own reality, man. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> you are so detached. You actually believe the shit coming out of your mouth. <laughs> oh my god! I just like to hear myself talk. Listen to me. There was nobody lobbying harder to move KMA to a weeknight than Alex. And my only holdup is you're never going to have Paul. I don't it's care not, what he says. Hold over. on, hold on. I don't care what he says. You're, and Alex just finally resigned and just like he stopped. He's like, "You're right. It's just not going to happen." 
No, we're not done with it. I'm working on some things. We can't trust you. I'm working you. behind the scenes. We can't yeah, trust you. Not, thing. I mean, listen, like like you said, I've been lobbying for it, but I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't have faith in you, bro. That I five, to, <laughs> yeah, man. That five to eight p.m. slot, bro. You are unreliable. Yeah, man. On, you have no dependability in that slot. No, like after six o'clock, I'm I'm dependable. Absolutely the not. At five, that's, I like to be breathing time. That's putting the bed. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. You 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 are so out of it. Yeah, I'm know, a bro. I'm an involved dad. I don't know. I was thinking the other day though. I remember how that's, I used to have like is... time with my commute coming home when there was like time just me, like that twenty minutes driving home from the office. Oh God, I miss that so much. Now I finish for the day and I walk in there and they're there, always there, always. I never get away. I mean. Oh, I don't sorry. Know. This is like I therapy. Don't, I don't that that involved yeah. that you know. I'm an involved dad. Yeah. So am I. What does that mean? <laughs> I got stuff to do. I got stuff to do. I, I listen, man. I just I don't know of... that you can consistently be reliable during the week. I can be. We pick Paul. a day. Paul. Paul. I'm always here on Saturday mornings. Yeah, that's why we don't move it. <laughs> well, I'm I'm flattered that you uh that you think so much of me that uh you wouldn't move the show and just kick me off. No. That Paul. was always my fear. Paul, there's no kicking you off. You're like herpes. We're, we're we just have you. We're stuck. You're, you're never going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going anywhere. It's, we're we're stuck with it. Speaking of which, man, uh, talking about like KMA and the love that there is in your organization, man. It was so cool last night at the 25th anniversary, especially the fact it's a testament to you how many former employees were there. That I, I, I mean, I saw at least four people there that used to work for you that that showed up. It was pretty cool, man. You know, it really was, and I, I think there was one point last night. Look, everybody takes some, be you know. A job or employment is a different nation, different way to handle it. I, I really, truly, and we've had so many young people we've hired over the years. I, I really look at it as a way. It, it's a mentorship. You know, my job's not just to make give them a paycheck. I try, I try to prepare them better for whatever is ahead of them in life. And I even when I give them advice, it's always a comment. Look, whether you're here or wherever you move on to eventually, what I'm telling you now will work for you. You know, and. Um, to see Emily and especially Adam last night, and Stewie came by, um, and it was Emily really was there? Emily was carrying came with Duncan and the kids, the two babies. Which you really didn't did. see Emily? Yeah, she came in with the stroller. The whole crew was there. She, Let me tell you something. She, she said she has six game. babysitters on her roster. They all the, canceled. Yeah, I didn't. I, I sat down with Dave. We got in the chess game, and that's kind of where I stayed. Yeah, I didn't see you the whole night. We um. That side. You know, we babysitted her kids about a week ago, and I, I totally bonded with the girl little coco man she's awesome it was so good to see her um but uh you know emily and michael who both started working for me michael right out of college emily while she was in college and they're sitting there michael now has not only a kid but a second one on the way she has two kids and they're talking to each other about their kids you know when you hire people when they're in college or out of college and then you see them and they're grown and they have children and now 
<laughs> the topic of conversation isn't what they did last night or where they partied. Or, you know, <laughs> it's about their kids, man. And, you know, 25 years to be doing the same thing is a long time. So it, it's kind of cool to see all the different people we've touched over the dec- past two decades and a half. And uh, it was great to see everybody who came out. And thank you to everybody who came out last night, man. It was a it was a great night. I don't think my old man is going to forget it for a while. Uh, from oh, man, I, he was glowing. He you was know, glowing. From everybody I talked to, the cigars seemed to be a big hit. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm not oblivious to the fact. I know that some people will say things, you know, because they don't want to whatever. But, you know, I, being a good poker player, I can usually tell when there's not genuineness behind it. So I, I think everybody really liked the cigar. And uh, the fact that people came up and bought second boxes after smoking some of them and third boxes just was a testament to it. So we were very happy with the night, the final product. Uh, and uh, the folks at Drew Estate came strong. We had a good time. It was a good time last night. A little tired, a little fatigued. It was a long, long day for us. But uh, it was good. It was so hot, man. The it hot wave just came hot. in. Right before this event, Brandy and I went home. We, we went straight to the pool. We took we just took our clothes off, walked into the pool, and just hopped in the pool. It was, we were just baked by then. We were baked. What time did you leave? So is that – oh, yeah, that's a good question. You know, I don't know, to be honest with you, probably around sometime after midnight maybe, you know, or close to midnight, 11-something, because we kept saying we were going to go, and then she'd get tied up talking to somebody, and I'd get tied up talking to somebody. And, you know, it just I think it was an hour process between the time we decided to leave and finally got out the door and got out the back. You know, DJ, I, mean, I came back. Yeah, what time and, did you and come you, back? It was still hopping. It was like eleven thirty. Yeah, so it had to be about eight thirty. Time to leave. <laughs> no, we we no, because I I wanted I had the babysitter till I didn't want to pay her past ten because she's not cheap. So I I think we left at like nine ish, nine ish, and then went back, and then I left my house at ten thirty. So maybe I got there around eleven, Abe. So, so I had to I go have, back to get my I, laptop. I, I have to ask, because you know, oh, sometimes you 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 interest me very much. What exactly is not cheap for a babysitter to watch two kids? Well, you know what? I remember I remember when we had Axel, I don't need a story, man. I just like need a number. 14 a preamble. Uh, right. He's girl, already he's already going in defense is... mode. Don't, I don't need her age. Just tell me What's what number. Rate, what number do you feel was too much, too expensive? She's eighteen dollars an hour. That's not that expensive. Now we have another one that's twenty. That's yeah, about the going rate now. Yeah, fifteen to twenty is about. You got two young kids. How like, many hours? It's per hour. No, know. I know, but how many hours? Yeah, were you uh, what she you pay? Forty six, bucks last seven, night. Eight, nine. No, I paid like six. No, she was here till ten. Five hours. Yeah, it cost him. It cost him under hundred bucks to take his wife out for the night. Cheapskate. Oh, I bought that's drinks too. <laughs> He's counting the drinks. <laughs> well, you said it cost me under. It was over a hundred bucks. That's part of the going out with your wife night, bro. That's I, not I know. Over, You're right. That's not overhead. But listen, hey, I listen, got I got one of these. So listen, what time? JD JD hooked me up with one of these, so I'm excited. JD hooked everybody up. What, yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome. What time? Uh, what time do your kids go to bed? Usually seven thirty. But I think last night Eli stayed up till like eight thirty because he had taken a long nap. Yeah, that's the thing with our kids. Our kids all go went to bed early, so like we were basically paying someone just to watch TV, to hang out, and watch TV. That's the that's what drives me nuts. Like that's, some people, some girls will give you a lower rate, but some girls will give you a lower rate. Like 
if they're I, sometimes I'll get them. You know, all, we go to always trying to, to economically, you know, find someone cheap to put the welfare of his children in. You're bargaining. No, if they're just sitting there. Doesn't matter. You don't. It's not about. Listen, you're not. See, people just don't understand. You're not paying for when they're just sitting there. What you're paying is their aptitude and capability. God forbid something Shit happens and they have to right. react and do something. That's what you pay for. You're not paying for the I'm sitting and watching TV, the kids. You're paying for the hey, God forbid something goes down. They're competent enough to handle it until you get right. there. That's what you pay for. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, we, we have a good roster of people. So, you know, you got to look at it like it's like firemen. You know, you don't they don't make their check for the 90% of the time that they sit right. in the station. It's that 10% when they got to, you know, make something happen. That's what you paid them for. Yep. Exactly. Wow. That's, that's actually a great uh, analogy. Well, anyway, a great time was had by all. It yeah, was, it was good it to was see good. you. I, looks like, looks like Steph had a good night. By the way, we've scheduled Steph for a KMA episode that you don't know about. So I'm very excited about it. This, this is not funny. I don't <laughs> find this. She's busy. Why? No, no. She was very excited. In fact, stop her, it. I'm telling you, her sentiment was like, what took me so long to ask her? Actually, we're considering Let me ask her for KMA late night instead of Paul, because apparently you we're know, <laughs> time available after six than Paul does. Maybe Stephanie will listen. I know that that's not true because I every time she was out of my sight, I ran to find her because I was afraid you guys were going to corner her and book her. Dude, dude, you, your wife, and I communicate via messenger regularly. Regularly, weird. Go take her phone and look at her messenger. I don't know, Kevin. I don't know. At least six or seven. I think I came out ahead like. Uh, I don't know. I, I, at least four, three. I was ahead. We were back and forth. My man Dave D. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. You were. I I saw you sitting down at one point playing chess, and then I didn't see you the rest of the night. No, that's where I wasn't. When then, well, then you left, Paul. So I know. left at like nine ish. You left you, before you, Alex. You were. I didn't leave yeah, until I don't a little know. after the raffles. I texted you, and you said you were gone already. What time did I text you last night? Well, I thought see. you might still be there. No, that was way after the uh, raffle was done. Yeah. Let's see here. Ten o'clock. I texted you. Yeah, ten. No, oh no, 10 that's this morning. Ten thirty, Paul. Ten thirty. Ten thirty. Well, that's around when I got home. So maybe I left a little bit later than nine. I I just missed the raffles though. We did the raffles shortly after nine. Yeah. Okay, so right when the raffles were going on, that's that's when I ran away. Nine thirty-five. There you go. Mar Marcus Wood knows exactly nine thirty-five. Okay, there you go. There you go. All right. Well, this week we got a we got a a first timer, man. When you've been doing this as long as we have, and you can still get a first time guest, and not only a first time guest, but someone who's been in the industry longer than I have. So, uh, very excited about this week's Meet Your Maker, Paul. Let's run it. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. It's time to meet your maker. Wow, here he is, Daniel Marshall. Gentlemen, ladies, nice Good to meet morning. everybody, and congratulations on your 25th anniversary. 
baby. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Huge milestone, major achievement. I'm so proud of you. I, it's been it's been a crazy ride, man. But it was really nice to celebrate it and see a lot of old friends and uh, being able to dedicate a cigar in my dad's name was just was cherry, uh, you know, icing on the cake. So it was really, really cool. Well, I <laughs> hope to buy one of those cigars when I'm in your shop next. Oh, I have I have a box for you, my friend. Oh, I'm ready. No worries. I no want worries. You to sign it. Thank you. It was funny because I was watching videos of him autographing boxes last night. The thought of yeah. my dad, the thought of my dad ever being asked to sign something, <laughs> you know, it's it's great. You know, I mean, I, I can't imagine he's ever thought in his life that anybody would walk up to him and say, Will you sign this for me? Yeah, and he was signing box <laughs> people last night. It was awesome. It was a great that night. Is so cool. So cool. Daniel, super uh, rich, super rich history um, in this industry. And, you know, at this point in my career, it's very seldom I get somebody on. doesn't happen too often who's been in the industry longer than I have at this point. Um, that's when you know you're getting old. Uh, <laughs> Both of us. <laughs> right? Tell us, I mean, look, I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners watching today they may have heard of you. I'm sure they've seen you, seen your stuff, but I'm sure they don't know you. So why don't you, you have a very colorful story and, and 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 what you did before you got into the cigar industry and, and how you eventually got into the industry. So let's just start from the beginning and get everybody started off right. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you did and uh, how you eventually ended up getting into this industry? Well, I would say it's a parallel story with a lot of people in the cigar world because it's not like you wake up and say, I want to get into the cigar world. I want to, I want to be a cigar tycoon and all this. Um, especially when you're 19 years old, I happen to be a 19 year old that didn't even know what a cigar was, uh, except that I knew that my girlfriend's grandfather absolutely loved them. And I wanted to give him a thank you gift and make him a thank you gift for all his encouragement. Every time that I, would go up to his house. He would always ask me, how's, you, how's it coming with your dream on your boat? And you're building this boat to sail around the world. And I think that's so cool and keep going and don't give up and all this. And uh, so I was totally touched by a very successful businessman who built one of the first life insurance companies, uh, at least in California. Wow. And uh, I really admired him a lot. And he gave me this uh, kind of mentorship kind of motivation to keep going with a crazy dream which my father was totally against and claiming i would be a failure and uh, i'd but, be on skid row and all this shit but wait, before we get into the father failure mode which i've yeah. experienced myself yeah, my yeah. Father. thank god for um, that. I, 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 you glazed right over you were building a boat yeah to sail around the world right now, that, yep. That's not like something you can just glaze <laughs> over, right? I mean, so how old are you at this point? I was, I was eight. I made that decision when I was eleven years old. Uh, in okay, so what makes an eleven-year-old say, "I want to make a yeah. boat and well, sail around the world"? <laughs> my father worked for Hughes Aircraft Company, and he's an engineer, and he absolutely loves sailing. So uh, I uh, am so proud of him that he had the courage and the engineering ability to take his family a year out of school a year away from his work and on a 40-foot sailboat sail to tahiti so that wow. that caused a major love of travel in me and this whole idea of being at sea on a small boat and then making landfall in the marquesas islands 
it it left such an indelible huge impression on me i said i like this i want this i would like this to be the rest of my life okay. hold, <laughs> so, hold, hold on I'm, I'm very 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 curious now how many people <laughs> were in your family uh there's a total of five but there was three people three to four people on the sailboat uh because it's a Back in 1972, there was no sat-nav. You had to do it all with celestial oh my navigation. Gosh. So it, you had to stand watches, and the radar systems were really primitive. So uh, oh we, we had four people, and we'd have to stand six-hour so, watches. Oh, okay, hold on. It was your father, you, and who else? Uh, my father, me, and his uh, buddy from work, which is Bob Scott was his name, and he loved sailing. And then there's John Schaefer. So there's a total of four people. So he took me you and out my of, dad and two other crew. He took you out of school for a year. So you, you didn't get schooled during this year. No. What okay. what I did, though, because I didn't want to fall behind, I wanted to get out of school as fast as possible. That was my goal. Like, I, I wasn't a big fan of school. And so I said to my mom, I said, listen, before that we do this trip, I'd like to do the, the work uh on the trip or before the trip so i got all the, i got the teachers uh in in sixth grade to sign on to this i got all these oh textbooks God. you wouldn't believe it abe it shows you public school what a waste of a time it was you know in three months i completed the entire year i got graded i passed so i i skipped wow. the whole year and i only spent like three months two to two to three months working on it so um that was that was my thing. Uh, okay. My my other brothers fell behind and they lost the year, but it was an amazing year. Not many. People... Wait, wait. Your other brothers weren't on the boat, were they? Uh, no, but uh, uh, my other brother flew to uh, to Tahiti to join us with my mom. She got seasick. Okay, so your whole family went to Tahiti, but you went on the boat. I went on the boat the whole trip. I was the only one to sail uh, ten thousand miles to Tahiti and then all through the tour the Tuamoto and the Society Islands. Then we sailed to Hawaii and then we sailed to LA. I was 11. So Wait, how many, what was the longest amount of time you were at sea at one point? Like how uh, many it days? Was, the longest was 33 days. Okay, so at 11 years old. <laughs> yeah, on a sailboat. You spent, sail 30, boat, you spent right? 33 days on a small boat in the ocean and you weren't freaked out? I read 1,100 books on that trip. <laughs> <laughs> no. I didn't freak out at all because I have an engineer father, which was so neurotic. He didn't sleep for a whole year. And uh, I tell you, <laughs> I, I had all the confidence in the world of him. But life-threatening life things happened, two of yeah. them that I can recall immediately on that trip, which we would have died. We would have all sunk and died if my dad hadn't had the foresight. There's something called a bowsprit. It's the, the forward part of the ship, and it extends the 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 whole profile of the the jib out and so the bowsprit is supported by a stay that goes under the water in front of the boat in the bow mm -hmm. and that snapped but my dad said there's a potential for that snapping so he ran a second chain as security otherwise it did wow. snap it snapped in a storm and the the whole rig would have fallen off the whole mass would have and we would have been oh adrift with in the middle of the pacific with no one around and you know there literally no one around and uh, that was one uh, time I, but i wasn't scared you know when you're a kid you're just like so naive and you just trust in your dad and my dad yeah. had a lot of like okay uh, so here's yeah. the question here's the question yeah. of the day right now <laughs> abe abe can't imagine being out in the middle of, like he doesn't like that. when you can't see land yeah absolutely <laughs> not 
you're you're older and wiser now. Yeah. Would you let anybody attempt this today? Would you uh, yes. do that trip today? Yeah. Yeah. God, but I would on. you you gotta go prepared like my dad was prepared. He had weapons, he had illegal handguns on board. We would go into port, he would declare some, he would you have to be protected, but I would even amp it up. If I went out there today and did that, I'd have serious weapons. Like you you need law, you need like land air missiles almost to protect because there's pirates out there. Right. You know, we've had some situations where pirate in Baja, like they they were tracking us and they were trying to see if we were a good target. But now today's world, it would be in one way easier because of the technology and the satnav. But on the other side, I think it's a much more dangerous world. It could find you easier now, too, with that technology. That's the problem, yeah. too. Yeah. Well, good and bad, if you do sink and you're <laughs> cast away or you're on a raft, they will find you faster. That's for sure. So so, so how do you, what, what, you do you put away food for 30 days or do you like yep. have to fish for food? Yep, yep, yep. Canned food. Canned food in the bilge. And the cans would, would rust. It was amazing. I remember. Oh, my God. We had potatoes and the potatoes would grow like uh, uh the roots you know, would come out legs. yeah yeah that's right that's right just like a cartoon it was it was in a my dad was that was i told him before he died that was such a courageous act i mean yeah it is um and but that gave me in particular a love of boats and a love of sailing and i said to myself i want to do this i want to be the first person in the world to build a sailboat and sail around the world because i was the only way i was going to get a boat is to build it and so 18 you, years come were you planning on sailing around the world alone yeah oh yeah. god jesus one oh my of my god. hero was robin lee graham he sailed around the world in a, like a 26 foot sailboat that his dad had bought for him my dad wasn't going to buy me any boat so i i knew the one i wanted it was parked next to it it was docked next to us in tahiti it was a west sail 32 and it's amazing what you can do with visualization because at 11 i looked down I saw this good-looking girl on this boat, this good-looking guy, and I saw a really sexy boat next to us. And I said, that's the boat. I want the girl, and I want the boat, and I want that life. And it's amazing that that boat then showed up six, seven years later uh, as a form of a fiberglass hull and deck, empty on the inside. And so I melted 7,000 pounds of lead, and I put the, the bulkheads in. That's why my girlfriend's grandfather was like, this kid is fucking out of his mind because he's like, <laughs> like melting 7,000 pounds of lead in his family barbecue and doing this all alone. Like he, he was like, you know, he, he knew I was going to be able to go somewhere. But so that's why he encouraged me to follow this crazy dream, which my dad was actually the exact opposite of doing it because he wanted the college engineer track you know the boat comes later and all that stuff so you so, decided you weren't going to go to college you were going to seal that yeah boat. well I, you know i uh i i applied for stanford i applied to usc i applied for all the ivy league and i got into i got into stanford i got into ucsd my dad was so pissed when i wrote a letter to them and say i'm sorry i'm sailing gonna sail around the world thank you very much <laughs> and uh yeah, so uh, that I decided wow. not to go to college and follow this dream. And then, but it's amazing at the end of this, the power of a gift. You never know where it's going to take me. And the fact that he loves cigars, I found out he liked Alfred Dunhill cigars. Many people don't even know what the brand is anymore, but it used to be the world's most top luxury men's 
brand in the world. The white and, tubes, uh, the Coronados, and uh, God, what else is right. it called? It was called, it's called Monte, Coronado and Monte um, Cruz, Monte yeah. Cruz, and Canary Island cigar. Oh, you're going back to the yellow boxes. Yep, the yellow. Oh, you, you know, yeah, you're older you're than me. You're a star, yeah. man. You, I can't believe you remember those. Yeah, right? you're going. That, that's before of my time. The yellow boxes. When I was got into the business, they'd become the the the, the quintessential white label tubes, and we used to carry them in three sizes. One size with the Coronado, and I can't remember the other two names. But those were so hot when I first got in the business. But you didn't run into a Monte Cruz Dunhill unless somebody had a really old box because that wasn't. They weren't even selling that when I got in the business. No, no, no. And uh, he liked a Panatella sized cigar. And I made it, I made him a little three cigar case, which hinged open, held three cigars, and put a brass plate on the bottom to Papa Joe. Thank you for believing in me. Love Danny 1981. And wow. he, he saw my future. He said, This is great. I'll use it on the golf course. This is so cool. Uh, Dunhill will buy this. If you want, borrow it from <laughs> me, take it to Dunhill, show it to them. They will buy it from you. You can set up a factory. You can sail around the world. Danny, you can do it all. And so this was a new kind of mindset. This was like a Tony Robbins kind of mindset, which I wasn't uh, raised as doing this kind of like, wow, we can do all this, mm -hmm. really? And uh, Dunhill, like they'll buy it. Like it, I, I never would have thought to do that on my own. But to somebody, like if you give somebody advice, Abe, he will follow your advice or she will listen to you because of the respect and the love and the admiration they have for you because it's like a, a word from a, the higher power and stuff. So I listened to him even though I didn't know what the hell he was talking about and I followed that road <laughs> and it led me to go to New York and show the cases to the buyer in Dunhill, which I you know, couldn't get an appointment to see, so I just walked in there. But... In the back of my mind, Papa Joe said they'll buy it. So it was like mentorship is so important. Like Abe told me I can do it. Abe, like, so it pushes you through. So, and I'm sure with your kids, you've seen it. You know, it, it pushes you through the obstacles. You have to have like in your mind, I'm going to do it no matter how many no's I get. And uh, the buyer had no interest in the three cigar case. He said, we'll sell a few of them. But he said, can you make a cigar humidor? And I said, of course I can. What's a cigar? <laughs> and I, I swear to you, I had no clue what a cigar humidor was. And he brought one up. It had a bottle of Dunhill uh, whiskey on the inside. He said, copy it. And if you do a good job, I'll give you an order. Two weeks later, I came back and he wrote me a $250,000 order. And I had no factory. I was in my garage with my boat, with my table saw. And I went to Papa Joe. I said, you were right. He was laughing so hard. I said, but now what do we do? How do I can't make these? And he said, don't worry. I'm your partner now. <laughs> Good for him. So that's it. And uh, never fit, never worked another hey, day on my so, boat. Listen. The boat never got finished. The boat is still. Oh, I'm, wow. Tell me you have it still, please. I, I wish I could. I still oh. have nightmares about that. That's another story in itself. Oh. How I had to get rid of that boat. And I don't think I can find it. I tried to find it a couple of years ago. And uh, a man who follows this style boat, West Sail 32, told me that uh, the person that bought it moved it to Long Beach, but never could finish it. And it went to a boat graveyard. And uh, I, it broke my uh, heart to hear that. And I couldn't. I was so scared. And to this day, I don't want to find out what that meant. 
You you have no idea. I want to know what do you do with a thirty-two foot boat that is like, how what what does graveyard mean? Do they sink it? Do they burn it? Anyway, after this uh, this beautiful time with you guys and all, I'm gonna call him. He's not. <laughs> I want to find out where the hell that boat is. I want it back. Oh, what a Daniel's story. making making a note. I, the, the, I look at the page almost every week, and I don't call because I'm so brokenhearted over that whole situation. I had to get rid of it uh, because my dad was selling his avocado ranch where I was renting space, and he also was very concerned that the roof that I had built over it, a huge 50-foot by 30-foot roof, would fall in the winds and fall into his building. So he, he said, you got to get rid of the roof. And I says, well, then I got to get rid of the boat. And so, you know, it's, right. I, couldn't, I couldn't work on the boat because there was no time in my life. You know how running a business is, there's no time for anything, especially building a boat. And, uh, and, and the odd thing about that is I hired somebody, you know, my dad was so concerned about that ruining his building, but then he said, well, how much are you paying the guy to take it down? I said, 500. He says, why don't you just give me the 500 and I'll do it with my with my tractor. I said, okay, no problem. So I gave him the $500. You know what happened, guys? He like put the chain around the telephone poles, pulled it away from his building, and it cantered into his, his building. Oh, no. No. <laughs> well, at least he did it. At least he did right, it. And right, that's I didn't, him doing it I didn't laugh at him in person, but it was like priceless. <laughs> wait i gotta ask you daniel do you so papa joe you know i've i've heard you in other interviews talk about him so so how like what was what was the rest of that story with him did you you were you were engaged to his granddaughter is that correct that's right yeah i was engaged did you, to did you ever marry her did you like what no, was the future no, there the, with that like life is so stranger than any Wait, are you end up being partners with your fiance that you never married yeah can you believe it and so oh, what wow. happened is <laughs> wow. like right around that time right around that time that he decided to you know be my investor and we buy all the equipment we moved into quicksilver's first uh warehouse when i saw those board shorts i said that's this is my first home right here. I love it. The, the surfer, a, the surfer boy needs to go. Yeah, needs to be there. Boy, I was crazy. <laughs> but with Jody, I was so in love with her. And then like almost out of the blue, she said, Danny, by the way, I'm becoming a full fledged Jehovah's Witness. And I says, well, that's good for you. I, I'm so happy you found something to ground you and you're not, you know, you're, you're you have something to believe in and a philosophy. She said, yeah but you have to be one too. Otherwise we can't get married. And oh, I wow. said, I said, Jody, I love you, but uh, that's not my thing. I'm not going to knock on doors. I'm not going to do the service. I had to go to church all my life. I don't even want to go to church anymore. I, you can do your thing just right. And then that was it. So she literally held the line on that. And you know how women can get, and she was wow. inflexible and I had to make a decision. Do I, compromise and become a jehovah's witness even though it wasn't my heart and mm -hmm. uh you know marry into a very like trust me there was going to be a huge gift if if once we got married which was papa joe papa joe wasn't a jehovah's witness no he's jewish and he so he, he could have been too orthodox jew but he was 
he, you know, he read Carlos Castaneda, he read Buddhism, Hinduism. He was a man of all philosophies, Muslim. He knew everything, but he, he so, but did he like the idea of her becoming Jehovah's Witness? He would never personally say it, but I know he wasn't pleased. And he was also sad that we broke up. However, it didn't affect mm -hmm. our relationship. Yeah, because he understood why you broke up. I mean, he probably had, yeah. you know, yeah, nothing you could do. He lived He lived for another seven or eight years, uh, oh, and we wow. grew the business together through the through the hardship and the times. And even though he, he taught me so many things, he would say, well, you know, you're having a difficult time in business right now and blah, blah, blah. He said, so in your mind, sell the business and then buy it back. So he would do this mental exercise, and I, I'm sure you've done this yourself because we all go through these ups and downs where we're, oh, I'm done, I'm fed up, I've had it. The employees are all suing me. I got workers' comp cases, the business, the AQMD, the air quality is like coming down on me. I got to spend another 50000 to upgrade our, like, you know. And then I'd go to him with these stories. He'd say, okay, well, you have two options. One, you can close. So how does that feel? Or you can and sell the business right now. So strip it out, sell the assets. So put that in your head and then, or buy it back. You know, would you buy it back if you had an opportunity? And of course I'm always buying it back because I loved loved what I was doing and it was a challenge and I, I wanted to continue. Um, but yeah, so no, he, uh, he was not Jehovah's Witness and you would not believe it because I had to find her to get some pictures for, for my book you know, to put a picture of a, the, the most important uh, man in, in my business when I got started. And uh, and I had to reach Jody. I had to reach the family members to get the picture because I didn't have any pictures of this guy. I don't know. Oh, if you wow. see, he's oh, he's yeah. on a 747 test. And there's the little wow. three. That's the three cigar case I made for him there. But anyway, so okay. he... Um, I call my private, you, as you guys know, the campfire of the cigar is amazing and you can meet everybody and know everybody you need to do to, to do everything from lawyers, doctors, surgeons, politicians, whatever you want done, they all like cigars. So yeah. I met a guy in Croatia and he said he was there for the world smoking. He, he wasn't, he was a private detective, but that's what he told me initially. <laughs> he was working on some like smuggling of bombs and shit. And uh, I oh, said, Andy, you got to find somebody for me. Can you find Papa Joe's granddaughter? And he said, no problem. Two minutes later, I got her cell phone. I call her and she says, Danny, what are you doing? What, why are you calling me? And I said, I need a picture of your granddad. I don't even have it, but I call, call Ellen, his sister, who is still alive. And the funny thing is, uh, guess where she was living 30, 30, 40 years later? She's living in New York at the Jehovah's Witness Oh, wow. Center. So she became her and her husband oh, and wow. her child live in the Jehovah's Witness compound. So I, I'm glad I said I uh, said no to that because that I would have deprived her of that or she would have deprived me of talking to you right now. Oof. So you got to make those tough decisions. They're very, very tough in life, you know. So on a logistics wow. standpoint, because these things also catch my eye. You know, for a guy who's 19 at the time or whatever, and you get a $250,000, because I, I have a few stories like this with my friends. I was going to be happy to walk out with a 100-piece order. You got slapped with a quarter-million-dollar purchase order, which I'm pretty sure 
you had zero preparation to deliver. No, no possibility whatsoever. I mean, so I, what I, happened with that? <laughs> I mean, what happened with that? What, what did you what, what did you do after that? I could make 10, 10, 10 humidos a month. No, I went to Papa Joe and I said, look, your favorite men's store, you were right. You, uh, and he said, well, um, I'd love to be your partner. I'd love to be involved. And so he said, go buy all the equipment that you need and hire who you need. So I got a line of credit from him and uh, we. And you were delivering 10 humidors a month. I built a spray booth. We got it permitted. We spent a fortune. We probably spent $200,000 just setting everything up. And then, of course, Abe, you know, there's no there's no goose that lays the golden egg. Three months later, that same buyer friggin' calls me up and say, I have bad news. And he says, I got to cancel the order. So you get the order. You build the factory. You spend 100, 100 and probably spend all this money. We got the spray booth where the humidors are coming off the production. I got 28 people working for me and the order's canceled. And I said, why, Carl? He says, well, I'm going to lose my job because I overstepped. I approved you as a supplier to Dunhill, this old British conservative brand. And the parent company in London is so angry with me that I approved you as a supplier without their permission. All you have to do is go to London and get approved by them. And, you know, cocky kid that I am, I said, no problem, Carl. I got this. I got this. <laughs> so you're on a flight that day. <laughs> that day. I was on a flight with 10 samples thinking, I got this one. This is going to be easy. You know, never been to Europe before, never been to London. And uh, and I go up there and I think I'm going to impress the shit out of them. And, you know, you guys know the answer. They were the, they knew what they were going to say before I even got there. And they told me this is not downhill quality. You can sell it to anywhere else. So I was devastated. I was wow. A big less learning lesson in business. And uh, so I said, all right, you got to tell me what I did wrong. How did I fail? And then they hesitated. Like Aubrey Stiles, this old crockety old guy who ran Dunhill pipes. They made the Dunhill pipes up in this location where they did all the buying for the accessories. I said, what did I mess up on? And he didn't answer me right away. So I knew that they were just giving me a I just, I just want to stop you right there because that is such an important thing that anybody out there who's listening who is young or, or trying to do things in life, that's the difference and that could change someone's life because most people walk out of there and say, these people suck. They have no clue what they're right. talking about. I'm going to take my awesome humidors. I'm going to go sell them to somebody who understands it. But you didn't. Right. You wanted to know, how did I fail? What yeah. did you like about my humidors? Because most people won't accept that reality. Yeah, They've true. already convinced themselves of the reality of this is the best thing I, it's ever right. been made. And there's right. no reason. And right. They don't, don't know what they're it, talking about. Right. If you don't take it, you don't know what you're talking about. I don't know if you know how monstrous and how monumental that question in that moment was. So yeah, well, was I, you're 100% right to identify that. It was the pivotal moment of my career. I wouldn't be talking to you today based on me not asking that question. Yep. I, you, I'm 100% convinced about that. And... Uh, Thank you for connecting the dots on that. But I was like, I uh, wanted to face the reality. And the reality uh, also was they were kind of the biggest game in town, the only game in town. I mean, you know, 
I had the big order. I had the factory. There was a lot of pressure on me to deliver and to not disappoint Papa Joe and not lose his money, even though he, it was peanuts compared to what his wealth was. And, you know, but to me, it was all the money that in the world. So I, I never Mm -hmm. counted his money. You know, that was one of his lines. He was always so upset when people counted his money. Don't ever count my money. He never said it to me because I never counted his money and I never took a penny, but he used to tell me, and I understand that when people count your money, I, it's not nice. Oh, this rich guy comes into town and he buy, you know, they charge him more. They, that's right. counting someone's money. But anyway, so with Dunhill, yeah, I, I, I knew for it gave me a flash of like hope when they didn't answer that question about what's wrong with the humidor, like because it was political answer. They wanted me to go away. They wanted to tell the guy he was an idiot. They hated the guy in New York, this young kid who was trying Mm -hmm. to make it into a big fashion brand. Like he was like the Tom Ford of Gucci, supposedly. And uh, they wanted to put the egg on his face and send me away. And, uh, you know, that hesitation made me realize that the answer was we don't like it no matter what. And then I knew for Mm -hmm. sure when I, I asked him, so what's wrong with it? And then the minor, minor things that they pointed out. And they scrambled to try and find something wrong with it. Then I then I had I had my hook because one was the felt was wrinkled on the bottom. One one was the like the keyhole had a little white polishing compound on the inside. Wow. Uh, screws, you know, on watches they line up the screws. The screws weren't lined up on the hinges and the lock. And there were three or four points. The lid wasn't perfectly flat. Uh, something you can adjust like a piano. And so I said, that's it. They said, that's that's it. And I said, will you see me tomorrow? Because uh, I'd like to bring a, a sample back that has all that address. And they said, you're going to fly to California. You're going to come back and be here by nine. Of course, we're going to see you as they're all puffing <laughs> their heads off. English guys, you know, they all meet in fucking committee. There's not one guy. There's 10. Wow. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'll be back. So I went to the hardware store, went to my hotel, did what I needed to do. I brought one humidor back, not 10, one. And I put it on the table. I said, gentlemen, is this Dunhill Standards? And Aubrey Styles looked at it. He said, yes. But if any humidor doesn't come up to that standard, you we're not paying you and we're sending them back. So he put the like the fear of God and the neurotic kind of quality the eye for quality that people normally don't see happened in that, mm-hmm. that meeting. Uh, and uh, so I got the order, a new order from him. It was, it w- I got a haircut of about 30% because they said, now the orders are coming from London and we're knocking your price down 30%. But at that point, I didn't give a shit. I just wanted to keep the order in Right, fact. you have an order. And so I was so, the funny part of this story is I was so excited. I got back in the car at that time, no Uber, no, no, you had to hire a driver. This guy took me under his wing. His name was Rod Bain. Funny enough, his last name was the same as Papa Joe's last name. And I said, Rod, I got it. I got it. They agreed. They took the quality. And the driver says to me, I know. And I says, what do you mean, you know? You've been sitting in this car with the heater on in the last hour. He says, no, I have not. I've been in the restroom, in the bathroom, in the stall, because after every meeting, the British men go to take a leak and they talk about the deal. 
And I wanted wow. to hear what they had to say about you. And so he overheard Aubrey Stiles said, any man that goes to his hotel room, works on the humidor, is the man that's going to make our humidors. So that, that, that fact that I did that convinced them that I would be uh, a trustworthy supplier to the crown and keep the Dunhill reputation and name. Mm -hmm. And so that was it. And so that was, uh, that was the beginning. And then I went to Cartier and made cigarette cases and, you know, but it, it like without that step, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have made it in business because we would have basically have had Nat Sherman and, uh, no tobacconist wanted high-end humidors in 1982-83. When I came out there with the luxury humidor, everyone's walking by. It's too expensive. We sell $30 humidors. We'll never sell a $500 humidor. This is, this, is a great point. this is a great point because your humidors were not the you know a low-end tier humidor. They were luxury humidors. Right. Now, right. when you when you did that first run, were they branded dunhill humidors yeah. or were they daniel marshall humidors that were made for dunhill no i made a big mistake uh, early on by not co-branding or doing something well first of all they didn't want it co-branded uh, all i did was put uh, on many of them uh, my little logo in the corner but not my name so they were all dunhill dunhill humidification systems started with a little vial system and then they did a humidity tempograph which was really beautiful in brass but you know, clay kind of system. And then they went to a plastic credo-like system. Uh, and that was the final iteration of their humidification system. But they were all under the Dunhill name. And to be honest with you, Abe, I all I cared about is feeding my family, feeding my factory, keeping the sure. electricity on. I didn't know how important like some of these archival pieces would become, like the 500 size piece that uh, Jack Nicholson bought that I made for Dunhill or the Marlon Brando size humidor that I made or, you know, different pieces that I did for a very interesting, uh, you know, times custom pieces. I, I should have always kept one. And now what I'm doing is buying them back. I'm buying Scarface humidors. I'm buying anything and everything. I'm buying <laughs> governor humidors back that I've made. Uh, they, they show up every now on eBay. People sell them. They find them in garage sales. Somebody, you know, so. So, so now I'm, I'm buying everything, all my old stuff back, including one I made for Bijan, which uh, was a, another funny story. Uh, but I, I'm I'm looking for that one. I covered it in alligator and I sold it really cheap to him. And then I met the wife of the man who bought it and they were going through a divorce. And she asked me, you know, did I make a humidor for the designer Bijan? I said, yes. She said, well, I got a divorce with my husband because my husband was Bijan's best customer, million dollars a year he spent in there. And so I made him this custom humidor for Davidoff Cubans. Like the ins, he wanted the inside of the humidor to look like the inside of the jet. So it was all burl walnut, wow. Bijan logo in gold. And it had a lighter and a cutter on the inside and a clock in one of the drawers so each one is particular drawer and on the outside was covered in alligator so i said to the woman this is like eight years after i made it i said i'll make a deal with you i'll tell you how much she says i always wanted to know how much Bijan paid you because i know how much my husband declared it was worth in the divorce i says okay i'll make a deal normally i don't disclose that confidential information but you tell me how much your husband paid and i tell you how much uh, i i charge Bijan. 
And she, I told her, I said, I charge him $2,500. And she says, well, my husband paid 125,000. <laughs> oh my God. So I, uh, I learned a lot about margin. That guy was not shy. <laughs> so so I, listen, I'm not saying this because you're on the show as a true story. I'm not even sure I ever told you, but my first real, real humidor was a Daniel Marshall. No um, Was when I first got into cigars in Chicago, I bought this piece of crap shoe box. That was garbage. It was, it was my first one. I had no idea what I was doing when I was just getting into it. And then when I eventually moved to Florida, um, the shop had all these Daniel Marshall humidors. And at that time, you had just made these beautiful matte finished versions, black, maroon. Mm, you're right. Um, Green. Yeah. Yes. And I, the, that maroon one with all the little, little, uh, it had a, I, I don't know what you call them, little studs around the edges. Where that was my first Daniel Marshall humidor. I took it home. That was it. So my first humidor was a Daniel Marshall humidor. Um, before we get into hour two, we're going to figure out how you then got into the cigar side of the business. And I just this is an important question. At what point did you realize when you started seeing these humidors? Right, because in life, it's all about when you recognize the time or the move for the transition. Do you say I need to be putting my name on these things? Yeah, right. I need to not be just making right. humidors for sale. I, I right. you, you get you get the concept that I'm an artist. What I'm doing is I'm creating pieces of art. Right. It, where 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 did that realization come in? How how That's far right. into this process? Because otherwise you're just a uh, gun for hire. You're Nobody a mule. Knows who you are. Yeah. You're not developing any legacy, any brand. Which honestly, I could care less about. When I was in my twenties, like I said, I just wanted to survive, and I didn't care about building a brand or a legacy it was kind of like weird and odd and honestly year to year i never thought i'd actually stay in business this long i mean it's i would go to my accountant i said i'm done i'm done this is the last year and he says you tell me that every year i'm not even going to listen to you anymore wow. <laughs> but uh that that happened and i'll tell you when that happened it happened in 1993 around the time you probably started your your uh beautiful no, I started basically in, in the depths of the boom. I mean, you 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 did it at a perfect time, really, in 1993. But what what finally clicked in your brain where yeah. it said, "This it is what was, I need to do." It was a gentleman called Marvin Schenken, because prior to Marvin Schenken, who's going to write about humidors? Who's going to talk about <laughs> right. like I I did have write ups about our humidors and stuff, trade magazines, but it wasn't like a fashionable thing like rob report i don't think i don't think rick hacker was doing much writing at that time in early 80s on humidors and i don't think rob report was picking up stories about luxury humidors and, and all uh so when the magazine came out they did the favor of saying dunhill travel humidor by daniel marshall so all wow of a sudden, the wait, world, wait. this is before this is before you came out with your named humidors. They just put it in an article. This was the very first issue. Yep, they did a review on the wow. very first cigar fish. So they said, and I had nothing to do with that, but they were smart enough to know that, like, I'm sure subconsciously or consciously, whoever made that decision knew that that would be the evolution to make me an advertiser because I'm not going to advertise Daniel Humidos. I'll advertise Daniel Marshall. So they gave me that step. So all of a sudden, Tony Scott, the director, Ridley Scott's brother, immediately called me after that issue and say, 
I got you. I found you. Now I know who, where where to go. I've been buying your humidors from Dunhill, but now I want to buy it from you. Tom Cruise is celebrating his birthday. We just did Top Gun. I want to give him a humidor. So he, wow. like that was a big deal that they could find out who the person was. It's like us finding out for our wives where they make the Prada bags and going down and finding that maker. Right. We make the, the Brioni jackets because it's, believe me, they use many different factories. <laughs> it's not a Prada factory. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that was when it happened. And then, of course, I said, oh, that's cool. Like people now, now I better start making my own brand and my own name and putting putting Daniel Marshall on it. And the ad was a Daniel Marshall ad. So, of course, the products then, it went from a little plate to a little bigger plate to then the keyhole had the Daniel Marshall, you know, and now, you know, so then, then you're right. It, it was super, super important, but thanks to what Marvin and him calling me. I never forget the day he called me. He called everybody to be in his magazine personally. And I pick up the phone. This is Marvin Schenken. I said, hi. And he says, well, I'm starting a magazine. I have a very successful wine magazine and uh, I'm going to do the same thing with cigars. It's going to change your life. I'm like 28, 30. I, I said, are you kidding? Really? Like, I didn't believe him. <laughs> who, who is this? <laughs> going to change my life. Like, I didn't say that. I said, I was listening. He said, but this is going to change your life, this magazine. I said, okay, uh, how much is it? He said, 8,000 for the ad. I said, I don't have a, a spare 8,000. He said, I said, I just bought a bunch of wood and this and that. He said, mortgage your house. You got to be in. I said, I don't have a house. He wow. said, this is Marvin. He's such a deal maker. I love this man. He said, this is what we'll do, Danny. Come to New York. This date, 1992 or 93, we're doing a big smoke. And I'll show you what we're talking about. You bring your humidors, show them off, sell them if you want. That night, I sold $20,000 worth of humidors. I went up to oh Marvin. I said, Marvin, I'm in. You're right. I see what you're doing. <laughs> Here, here's and your eight thousand dollars. Here's your eight. I, yeah. I made it so fast, and those ads <laughs> used to generate, like those were the days where you could advertise 10, 20, 15, 20, like up to a point, and that the money would come back. Like you would get ROI on those ads, like no tomorrow. Right, real, real return on ad spend. And when you got a ninety as a cigar rating. Marvin's giving you a million dollars. I mean, I'm telling you, those those ratings and that that was like a spectacular time. Just amazing. It's still important, but this is this was really a, a probably the and 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 the odd thing is, and a friend of mine always tells me this when they say, "What's next? What's next? What are you going to do next?" And he always says to the press, he says, "I don't worry about what's next. All I worry about is doing the best job what I'm doing now." And I did that with Dunhill. And I did it and I did it. And you know what? In one year, in 1991, Dunhill closed all their shops except for New York because they wanted out of the cigar business and they were losing money also. So Richmond Group, the parent, decided we're done. We're clo so basically, I have no I went from hero to zero and went from, you know, they basically owned my production to down to 20 percent. 80 percent of my production was Alpha Dunhill for sure. And. That's how God is. That's how life is. Something else will come in the vacuum. And Marvin Schenk and, and the magazine came in and that allowed us to build the brand. And then it was another kind of trajectory, you know, where I wasn't so dependent on one company where we could 
Then the tobacco shops were popping up and new business, new investment, and then new, more demand for luxury. We all could tell our story. Carlito Fuentes were one of the first people to get behind Marvin. And Marvin, of course, did his spiel with them and went down and talked to him and convinced them. Actually, uh, so yeah, yeah, it's uh, King, Kingmaker. Quite a quite a journey. Kingmaker. Yeah. Wow. We're gonna we're gonna have more with Daniel Marshall in hour two. We're gonna get into the cigar side of the company, and uh, we're gonna and have. He a, did bring things to give away. Paul, yeah. gonna, oh, just I just, just want to ask after the break. I just want to ask one humidor question before we get into the cigars. Well, go ahead. Ask for asking now. Uh, all right, so Daniel, I'm a I'm a chestnut, and oh. quite often, quite often, I'm searching for cool chest things. Well, that's and great. sure enough, I come across an article that Daniel actually made. As far as I can tell and find, it's the only chessboard humidor. Yeah, um, oh, is that wow. actually still in production or available? Uh, I have a few pieces. <laughs> I have a few pieces left in oh, archives, and I'm a chess freak. We should play on chess.com one time, okay? Because Absolutely. that's Absolutely. I will send you my uh, my chess.com username. Definitely. I'm on He's on it all day. I'm DM all, Cigar. All day. DM, DM Cigar. Cigars. <laughs> right now. Absolutely. D DM Cigar is my handle. And uh, the chess humidor, that wasn't my idea. That was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, probably not his oldest friend, but one of his closest friends that he did training with initially and joe gold uh or um you know the owner of muscle and fitness uh brought him over right after arnold came over his name was franco colombo and so he was like an italian stallion they called him the italian stallion and joe weeder is the one that brought him over like in late 60s and so franco said daniel arnold's birthday is coming up let's make him a chess humidor that would be so cool you can pull out the drawer, get a cigar, light it, cut it, and have everything there all in one place. I said, let's do it. And so we put uh, a picture of them playing chess on the four controlling squares uh, for the piece we gave to Arnold. And it was a picture of them playing chess in Santa Monica when they really didn't know how to play chess. It just was a cool picture of these guys with massive biceps, wow. you know, playing chess. And so those those were those little pictures I put on the four center squares and then lacquered over the top. And uh, so then it became an auction piece. Franco signed it, Arnold signed it, and we'd auction it for charity uh, for nice. a lot of money. So yeah, yeah. Nice. All right. Well, we're gonna come back in hour two. We got up ahead in hour two. A lot of great stuff as always. Name that jam presented by Avo Cigars. Would you rather? Obviously from our good friends over at Gurkha, and of course, tail the tape. Season four, all ahead in hour two. And Paul's got some awesome prizes that when we come back after the break, we'll tell you how you can win some. So don't go anywhere. Keep it lit. The H Oven, Nicaragua by AJ Fernandez. The original versus the heritage. What's the difference between the two? The H Oven, Nicaragua, AJ Fernandez Heritage. The story of AJ Fernandez coming from Cuba, raised by his grandmother out there, has a lot of love for the country, but also he loves tobacco and he loves his new area where he bought his farm called Finca La Lilia, named after his grandmother, Farm of Lily. So he's got the love of tobacco, he's got the love of Cuba, and he's got the love of, of Nicaragua. Let's put them all together. So that tells the story of this triple fermented Brazilian Matafina wrapper and AJ estate grown 
Nicaraguan binders and fillers, creating a beautiful array of some sweetness, soft leather, a little bit of spice, with nice aroma notes of black pepper and earth tones. We hope you go out and enjoy this one, that it really tells the story of AJ, his love of Cuba, Nicaragua, and H oven. So please go out and try one. I think you'll thoroughly enjoy it. H oven, Nicaragua, AJ Fernandez, Heritage. You got me. <laughs> this is uh, kind of where I come to take my breaks uh, to get away from Honest Dave. The solitude in this room is amazing. A great cigar, a great glass of wine from our friends at Bonner Private Wines. You know, right now, Bonner Private Wines has a three-pack sampler of Malbecs that you should really check out. You know, some of the, some of the vineyards are so high that the grapes are under so much stress but the fruit is filled with so much flavor. There's no additives to it. It goes great with a nice cigar. Argentinian Malbec, the original strand of Malbec. And listen, we can give you a deal. We got- Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh. I, I just got your text, I apologize. I hope I didn't leave you waiting. I mean- but You've been in here a while, if you can. I, no, thank you. Thanks. You're welcome. Don't worry, it's just the- it's medical. It's medical. See, you can try this sampler. It's great. Please take my word for it. Go to kmawines.com. You'll get a discount on shipping. You'll get a discount on the package. And then you'll even get a discount if you like it on the Wine of the Month Club. And there's other packages that you can buy. But our friends at Bonner Private Wines, they make a great glass of wine. It really is awesome. And KMA listeners get the discount. So why not try it out? What are you doing? You've been waiting for a new commercial. I've been hiding out in here. Someone put a camera in here. Let's go. KMAWines.com. I'll be back in a few minutes, Abe. But guys, guys, seriously, can we get a courtesy flush or something in here? Jesus, people. You're ridiculous. Animals. And there you have it. The man himself, Paul DeGraco. If you haven't checked out KMA Wines and you're a wine drinker, please do so. It's uh, some pretty good stuff. It's a good deal. And uh, Paul's golf cart needs a, a new suspension system so he could use the money. <laughs> no, I, You know what? I want to – it's lifted. I bought it that way, and I kind of want to, like – what do you call it? Like, de-lift it because I, I feel like it takes the corners too hard. I always feel like it's going to flip over. It's too high. I don't know. That's like the, the problem. Thing everybody has lifted. The problem you have, Paul, is really. We we should start a novel like a, a, a and sell it through KMA. Paul's problems, and just document his <laughs> life problems. I uh, I've been I've been documenting me on the golf cart though. I think I have three of them now. But the the crazy things that we do because I you know when I when I have to get the kids out of the house and we need something to do, I load up their water guns now. And I drive them to the areas where they're doing construction in our new development here. And I just tell them, shoot the trees, shoot the trees. But then they, they'll shoot like, uh, they'll shoot like neighbors. So they, they like, they were shooting a, they squirted a dog the other day. The dog comes running up, barking at them, jumping on the golf cart. I'm like, no, 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 just shoot the trees. Just shoot the trees. All right. Is Daniel at his desk? 
Did he walk I think away? He, I think we're at he a break. Away, so he's he's coming right back. So I just want to quickly go over because he he was talking about the things that we have to give away before we get into name that. Give something away, Paul. Make yourself useful. So so one of the oh he's back. So so Daniel, what what was your uh your the the way that you wanted to do it? We'll do we'll do one of them your way. Uh, you said the first person to to have uh, the closest birthday to today. Yeah. Was that our? So, so in the comments, today is May seventh. I mean, technically, my birthday is May twenty sixth, but I, you know, I can't win. Qualified. But anybody that has, anybody who has a birthday today or tomorrow, the first person to comment will be the winner. And and what's the first prize you want to give away out of these, Daniel? I would say, why don't we give away the uh, the cigar arc humidor? Make make that birthday the cigar special. arc humidor. Make make wow. the birthday okay. very very special. Signed by Daniel so first, Marshall himself. Mm-hmm. And and what's cool about the cigar arc humidor is he was telling me it floats. Nice. So it's made to sit in the in it's made to sit in a pool or or in the jacuzzi, and it keeps it below keeps the water line below where the where the opening is so that they don't get wet. This is funny. Oh, April twenty three. April twenty three is the closest date right now. April twenty third. Don't, don't lie, people. We're gonna ask you for your driver's license. I'm telling you now. <laughs> don't lie. You'll have to send us a photo. You'll have to message us a photo of your driver's license. Don't embarrass yourselves. I think. I think Nate is. It's your birthday, Mark. Though you know, God rest, Grandma. May she rest in peace. <laughs> Five twelve. All right. Well, Five twelve we'll, we'll, is the closest we have. So need cigars, and then humidification system in the bottom. All right. We'll we'll let you scroll. We'll let you scroll through that and watch the comments, Paul. As we uh, we we test the musical acumen of our dear friend Daniel Marshall. Daniel, are you in the music? Am I in the music? Absolutely. All right. Well, we have a segment by our good friends Avo Cigars, eloquently composing symphonies with cigars for over decades. Um, we have a segment called Name That Jam, and we're going to test your musical acumen right now. Name that jam. How this works is very simple. Daniel, we're going to play a musical song, but you're only going to get about three seconds of it. So we're going to see if you can name that jam. Are you ready, sir? All right, let's go. Here we go. Oh, I know that one. Rolling Stones can't get no satisfaction. No. Let's see. Let's see what other people think. Let's see what other people think because we can give away the next prize to the first correct answer exactly. in the comments as well. I'd rather give it away to so the, <laughs> let somebody else. There you go. It. Somebody got it. Michelle Pauser. Who was somebody it? Somebody got it. Let's run Michelle the answer. Pauser. Let's see. Let's see the song. Give me shelter, right? Oh, hold on, hold on. Here we go. There you go. You had the band. You yeah. named the band. 
Daniel, but you didn't name the Jan. Right. So exactly. Well done. Well done. Congratulations to uh, Michelle Pauser. What uh what is uh what is Michelle gonna get out of this lovely uh, these lovely prizes? Me. I've got all the prizes here. Well, why don't you a, why don't you let her pick? 92 92 point red label uh Daniel Marshall cigars. Which is available at smoking.com. That's right. So Michelle, let Michelle, uh, what, let Michelle pick. Let Michelle pick. Well done. You'll be, just so you know, you'll be shipping that to Alaska. No problem. <laughs> Alaska. That is, <laughs> they, 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 they own the official Alaskan outpost of smoking cigars. They that's actually have. A, they that's actually that's have. A, they actually have a sign that says so, Daniel. I, I'm excited to see the picture of the Daniel Marshall Red Label cigar being tasted in Alaska. She is frozen now. <laughs> That's your I mean, husband. Nothing That's like holding husband. a cigar. That's Early right. Alzheimer's, like, ah, so cold. All right. Thank you for playing Name That Jam. Once again, brought to you by our fine friends at Avo Cigars, composing Symphony with Cigars for over two and a half, for I don't know how many decades. There you go. What, you like that tagline? You got the line back. Yes. You got the tagline back. Yes. Eloquently composing Symphony with Cigars. There you go. Oh, I guess she's taking the cigars. It looks like she's taking the Daniel Marshall Red Label. Okay, so, so the Red Label. Okay. The Daniel Marshall Red Label goes to Michelle Pauser. Congratulations. And now more with our dear friend, Daniel Marshall, our Meet Your Maker segment. So, Daniel, obviously now you have become pretty much the first rock star humidor maker that I think this industry ever seen. And you're having this career in humidors. And somewhere along the way, a little voice in your head says, it's time to make some cigars. Where and how did that happen? That happened at a big smoke in New York City. And it happened over a course of probably a year. And a lot of smart brands and smart companies listen to their consumer. They don't fall in love with what they like. They fall in love with what the customer wants. And many people, many, many people would come up and they would tell me at those big smokes where you get the immediate feedback from the end consumer and lover of cigars. So you're not like sitting in your factory having wild fantasies of, I want a cigar. I listen to them come to me and say, Daniel, you make the best humidor in the world. Where's your cigar? Because I know the same fanatical approach you would take to humidor would you would impart into making a cigar and it would be different. It'd be spectacular and sign me up and I want to buy it. So I heard this for a couple of years and I ignored it because just being dumb and busy and thinking, you know, it's in the middle of a cigar boom. No one has capacity to make a cigar for me. And uh, one night after the big smoke, we would all go hang out all the cigar industry tycoons and we'd all kind of want to go have a cigar and a smoke after enjoying 2,500 cigars with 2,500 people. And um, I sat next to Manuel Casada, and I said, we we're having a drink. He was probably into his third and I was probably into my fourth. And I had the courage to say, hey, Manuel, could you, I'm going to ask you a crazy question. I know you can't make enough cigars for yourself, but could you make me a small production of cigars? Because popular demand is like, they want it. And you make a great cigar and you're my friend. And he immediately said, yes, for you, I'll do it. For no one else, I, won't, I wouldn't, uh, but I can only, I'll, I'll make, here's what we'll do. 
will trade. I don't want money, but I am working on a special Casada collection cigars, very unique sizes, and I need humidors for them. So why don't we do this? We trade. You make the humidors, I make the cigars. 5,000 cigars a month, and that's how the Black Label got started, and that's exactly what we did. I never paid him a dollar for cigars, but I traded him humidors. And the funny thing there is I was in Nat Sherman literally 20 years later, and uh, Barry comes out. And Michael Herklotz was running the shop at the time. And Barry comes up, says, one of our clients wants you to sign this Casada cigar box. I said, oh. why would I sign a Casada cigar box? It's a 40th anniversary Casada cigar. And he turned it over and it had my name on it, Daniel Marshall on the printed on the felt. I says, oh, my God, he used them. <laughs> wow. so 20 or 25 years later, they held up in Dominican Republic, which I could not believe with the humidity and everything. The brass held up and uh, and I signed the humidor. And so that's that's what we did. And that's how I got in cigars. And then I was able to get them rated. And um, you well, you knew somebody. We What's that? He said, I said, you knew somebody who, who was able to get them rated. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, 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 did, it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. Thing I did it and started then uh, because of all the laws and the ruling that came out with the 2007 grandfather issue with the FDA and all. But I remember that Manuel told me then four months later, he said, Lou Rossman, who uh, was a big deal in the industry, uh, he retired, I believe now. And uh, but what what was his? Uh, he was one of the first mail order companies. JR Cigars. JR Cigar. So yeah. he says, Lou called me up. Says, "What the hell are you doing, making Daniel Marshall a cigar? You're not shipping me enough cigars. You're not making my order." So I love the story because it shows you the power of friendship. You can you just like. Your friends stand up for you. They say, I'm making him 5,000 cigars. We're trading. He's making me humidors. And so Lou shut up. Wow. <laughs> but uh, very important to keep a friendship. And then Manuel uh, made the black label for us. And then we made a white label uh, with a Cameroon wrapper. And then when he got number one on, and he came up with the Casa Magna cigar, I loved it. It was an amazing taste. It was much more in line with what I loved personally. That creamy, chocolatey cappuccino uh, was with that beautiful depth and complexity. And I said, listen, now can we move to that kind of flavor? And he introduced me to, so I would, both him and Nestor Placentia, we worked on a blend. And I took it to, took five or six different cigars to up to Sun Valley to my friend's house. Very discriminating cigar lovers here, mind you. And I asked them to please choose which blend you liked. We all like number four. And so that's what became the red label. And to the day, Nestor Placentia and Manuel Casada collaborate on that cigar. And they keep the consistency and the flavor and the taste just like a fine wine. And I'm super proud of that cigar and what we what we have done together over the years and the fact that they can keep the blend so consistent and uh, we then in you know in that time manuel could not make the boxes for us so we made our own cigar boxes we did our own packaging i did the sorting in in santa Ana, and uh, you know so it was uh, it was something that i was happy that we got into and i loved to have finally had a cigar that 
could be packed in the humidors that could go out to to you know very important uh, people that that uh, could enjoy the humidor and the cigar and um and uh, and then the nicaraguan cigar i decided and i saw the difference of box aging cigars and of course a humidor maker is going to tell you this and try and kind of convince people how important a humidor is but it's no lie age on a cigar is more important than age on wine in my opinion and it's more important than age on whiskey because it dramatically changes the complete the depth and it really creates what the cigar a designer had in mind what the what the blender had in mind so if you let a cigar sit a year you're talking about another another it becomes more than a cigar so we then said okay we're making it our standard uh, modus operandi we get cigars we hold them one year no matter how much customer complain they got away one year in the box because that's that's going to become a hallmark of the daniel marshall cigar an aged cigar and you know now you know i think people are more and more thanks to you guys telling that story thanks to people being able to taste the difference of an aged cigar uh that that's one of one of the things that i i really really am a big believer in well, and, and that cigar got one of your highest ratings of any of your blends, yes? Uh, with the exception of the uh, Carlos Puente 38. Right. I, I was going with the three main, which, the core brand. Which is beyond 100, <laughs> in so my let's, opinion. But, let's get into this uh, transition. Yeah, let's get into this transition. The highest 92 rating in Cigar Aficionado. I didn't even want Cigar Aficionado to rate the Carlos, uh, Daniel Marshall by Carlos, just because it's such limited quantity. He doesn't have enough tobacco. He cannot make enough. We, I wanted to keep it super. It, it had to be rare and have to be historic and had to be exclusive because the tobacco just doesn't exist. So, so, it, the red label is ninety-two rated, which is available at smoking.com. Yep. And um, tell us about the project you did with Carlito, this gorgeous box, which you also include. I mean, I have one. I'm going to have one of my guys grab it and. From my where i hide it and bring it out but oh you got one there even better i have it and and this has so tell us about how this project began with carlito and it includes one of your 24 karat gold cigars which i believe and i could be wrong because i make this mistake often you were the first guy to implement this i don't know if i've seen it before or done before you did this but i could be wrong but tell us a little bit about this project and your gold leaf cigar sure well my 38th year came up in 2020 and i said to myself i really and for years i wanted to had i had this dream who would be the best cigar who is really the king who is really the has the reigning the reigning title of cigar and to commemorate such an occasion like my 38th or my 40th i'd love to have that cigar made now if it's I, I, it was always Carlos Fuente that I had in back of my mind, but then whenever I mentioned that to anybody, they would immediately shoot that down and say, that's never going to happen. He'd never do that for you. You can forget about it. And uh, so I didn't mention it for a couple of years. And then once it, I was in an elevator with Carlos and I said, I got a crazy, crazy question for you. My 38 is coming up and would would you do me the honor and the privilege of making a special, very limited edition cigar? You don't have to make any boxes, make it as easy, one size uh, for my 30th anniversary. And he, again, 
showed the power of friendship and love and respect. And he said, for you, Danny, I will do it. I won't do it for anyone else. We've never done it before, but I'd be proud to do it for you. And th this family, I don't, I can't say enough about and how they've touched me and the world in so deeply on a daily basis and how they touch all the families and the people that work for them, but then the greater community in large uh, and what they've done at Chateau de la Fuente and how they built schools and hospitals. And now whenever I see of Carlos or Arturo Fuente cigar, it's not only, it's not just a cigar. You are actually saving a child. You're educating someone. I've seen how they plow the money back. The money is just put back into the company and into the people. And it, it is such a touching, beautiful thing to witness and to see. And, uh, I have, like, I don't know of any other cigar brand ever that does it on that scale of returning so much money and love and help into the people and the community. It's staggering. You, it, people, you have to go down there and see the hospital and the clinics and the music institute and what they've created. Um, it's extraordinary. And so... I was super, super proud and, and happy to do the cigar. And Carlos said, I'll give you my best. And whoa, he gave me a cigar, which I cannot say enough about. It's got amazing ratings, of course. And it is a, it is a true jewel that uh, is, is for the most, the most discriminating cigar lovers in the world that have tried it and that own it and that have collected it are... Uh, are in awe of that cigar and what Carlos and Ciro and the family Liana and what that whole family is up to and doing. They really created something, an extraordinary experience. And I, I'm not saying anything you don't know because you, you know, Carlos. And story. we, we have one of those to give away as well, right? We, we have a 38th anniversary cigar. We'll take it out of the humidor and these are not sold separately. Um, the edition is actually sold out, but I have a few left for uh, certain events and certain uh, VIPs and dignitaries and whatnot. And so this cigar is probably one of the rarest modern cigars made. And how are we going to give this one away if it's not by birthday? <laughs> Abe, you're muted. I got a good I, one. I got a good way to give this away. Ready? Go ahead. Because this, this one's special, so I think it should require a special requirement to be given away. First person who posts a picture of them in the comments with a Daniel Marshall cigar will win that cigar. <laughs> Everybody's going to be scrambling through their humidors. Yes. <laughs> All right, I'll keep an eye on the comments. I got to watch on my phone because I don't think I can see pictures here. Yeah, I got, I got. You might have to have run to your pictures? shop and buy a cigar. And I'm sure right now that's happening. They're going into your... Well, I'll tell you what, if they're watching the show in a cigar lounge, I hope that lounge carries the Daniel Marshall line. So, <laughs> so while, tell while us we're here. Bit. Yeah. While, just with raffles in my mind, um, reminder, our friend Matt Tobacco, who is still running his annual raffle for oh, uh, yeah. the Fuente Charitable Foundation, he also has one of those sets as part of many amazing prizes that he's giving away for his raffle, raising money for the... Puente Charitable Foundation. Fantastic. So, so, Daniel, tell us a little bit about this cigar here. Now, and it's funny because someone gifted me this. Hold on. Let me see here. Yep, look at this. 
Oh, it. he's going to the nunchucks. I love it. The secret stash, the private archives. And I'm sorry because I won't be able to remember. I won't be able to remember who gave this to me. It was so long ago. I don't know if there's dates on this. Oh, here it is. This is 2011. 2011. So yeah. someone gifted this to me in 2011. All right. It's tell us, wow. you know. Oh, wait yeah. a second. I'm do they all say? Do they all say 2011? Uh, yes, they they say 2011 because the cigars are from 2011. Okay. That particular year, I put away a lot of cigars and I kept them for the gold cigars because it was a really amazing vintage uh, that that came out of Nestor Placentia's factory. Because so. um, you can see these are two different color casings. This is the one that was gifted to me many, many, many. No, this one. This is the one that was gifted to me many, many years ago. And this is the one that's in our rare and vintage room now. So tell us how you came about this idea and what was behind this project. This is really, really, when I saw that, I mean, look, I've had this one for years. I can't smoke it. How am I smoking a gold cigar? I mean, it's beautiful. Tell us about I, this. I tell you, Abe, this was a complete accident. I had no intention of ever coming up with a kind of an over-the-top product. I always thought I should be true to kind of the Alfred Dunhill image. I was wanted to to the dependable quality. You never wanted to get too bling. It was like, you know, some champagne companies like Cristal didn't want their Cristal in the rap videos. I'd never wanted my products to be perceived as over-the-top, ridiculous, like laughable. And so... I thought that the gold cigar, when I created it, I made it as an ornament not to ever be sold and not to really ever see the light of day. But I can show a picture of what caused it. I don't know if you can see the white humidor there at the bottom. It's a, yes. it's a Scarface humidor that I did for Universal Studios to package the Blu-ray edition of their famous movie Scarface. So we made a thousand of these humidors and at the big cast and crew reunion where Pacino was there and Bregman, the producer and Stephen Bauer and all the guys that are living from the film. I met everybody. It was press and stars only. And they said, Daniel, would you bring cigar rollers? Will you bring the humidor? We have an outside area so the so the guests can enjoy cigars and all. I said, for sure. And that's when I met uh, the um, Universal uh, Home Entertainment chief who wrote me the check for 600,000 for these thousand humidors. And I went up to him and when I was introduced, I said, first of all, you've got a lot of courage to put a cigar related item around your one of your jewel of the crown films and make that public and make that a big deal that we are putting our Blu-ray in a humidor and that's the only way you can buy it. So uh, I said, first of all, you got a lot of credit. I, I, my, my kudos to you because I like in my mind, I was thinking of Dunhill is going to like they were going to cancel the order because the health initiatives and all that tried to squish it and said Universal can't be put tobacco with blah, blah, blah. And so I, and then he said he looked at me, he said, Daniel, not one complaint. 
It was a great project. We'd love to do it again with you. But can you make me some ultra bling uh, Scarface humidor so I can I can give it to my buddies at work and also Al Pacino. I want to present it to the guys. And uh, can you just jazz it up a little? And I said, sure. So I took I sent him to Germany. I had Savorsky crystals put uh, on the world is yours now became the world of yours in Savorsky crystal diamond look the Tony wow. Montana played on the top. I also jazzed that up with red, red Savorsky crystal. And what do you do on a humidor that you want to elevate? You got to put in a crazy cigar that the world has never seen. So Pacino, cocaine, do I wrap it in sugar? How, what do I mean? <laughs> you know, wrap it in 500 euro notes or something like that, which would be stupid and crazy, like wrap it in expensive notes. And a girl I was having a drink with talking about this dilemma, like what kind of cigar can I put in? It can't just be a Daniel Marshall red label, it has to be something special. And this girl gave me the best idea. And she said, Daniel, it's so obvious. You wrap it in gold. That's Pachinko. That's Miami. That's gold, gold. And I'm like, that's so stupid. That's the worst idea ever. I just made a humidor for Edgar Coleman, a <laughs> cigar. Just commissioned me to make a humidor for G George Bush's inaugural, second inauguration. And I worked with gold all day long. Have a, hundreds of dollars were flying in the air. I said, it is such a pain in the ass to work. It is like not going to happen. And it's a bad idea. But, you know, thanks for your, thanks for your idea. I like cheers. Like, thank you. Good idea. Like cheers, like derogatorily cheers. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I good idea. Throw out the window. And she didn't miss a beat. She said, I just gave you a good idea. You're going to make money with that. And I like, that's when I cheers her and says, okay, good. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Not believing a word that she said. But then I drove home and I said, you son of a bitch. You said it couldn't be done. You said it's a bad idea. Wait a minute. Maybe the, the, the presidential seal, maybe there's a way to put this on, figure it out with natural products, which you could eat and it would be safe onto a cigar and just do it for 10 humidors. And like, that's the end of that story. And so that's exactly what I did. I worked for two months, made a special glaze and covered it in gold, put it in a wood box and thought that was the end of that story. Uh, but it wasn't the end of that story because at the trade show where I had permission to sell 200 of these Scarface humidors with the Blu-ray from Universal, they sold 800 like on Amazon within hours. And I had 200 and I had it at the trade show at the IPCPR. And a guy called Rick Hacker, who wrote for the Rob Report magazine, saw that cigar. And he said, Daniel, what's that? And I said, Rick, that's nothing. You don't, don't write about it. I, I don't want that known that I made a gold cigar. That's, you know, write about that sterling silver humidor over there. It's much more beautiful and precious. He says, no, 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 no. I can do the silver humidor another day. What about that gold cigar? Can you smoke it? I said, I have no idea. You can eat it. It's safe to eat. <laughs> but I don't know if you can smoke it. He says, can I have it? And I test it and I take it to my doctor. And I, I said, Rick, you're my friend for a long time. You can have whatever you want. Take it. Three weeks later, he called me. He said, I got good news for you. You're going to be full page um, editorial in Rob Report magazine called Rolled Gold. And I said, no, you're kidding. I said, can, does it smoke? He says, yes, and it leaves a golden ash. And so I'm, I'm, I like, couldn't believe it. I went to Google, immediately wrote in 
like what is the melting point of gold and what is the burning point of tobacco so huge differential 1200 for gold 600 for tobacco so the tobacco burns inside the gold leaving a golden ash so that came out in rob report and then it went around the world like this is the most eccentric crazy cigar that's yeah celebration idea and i was still kind of laughing about the whole thing but then the orders would come in and i i i, I love rolling them i make them myself it's like a meditation you know and i sign each box so this is now many years later we're talking about 12 years later and the gold cigar is still going on around the world but i knew that it was like half of me knew it was something half of me still is skeptical i'm always that way but when mike Choi called me who ran the bulgari hotel cigar lounge called the edward shahakian cigar lounge by our friends edward and edward shahakian of davidoff london where i did the inaugural launch of the gold cigar that was a moment to be in london with cuban centric people you can imagine with a Nicaraguan cigar covered in gold with I like cute guys who only only taste Cuban cigars and they an, a, an evening of that was really something special that's where I coined the phrase modern day campfire that's what this whole cigar thing is it's the modern day campfire but the next day Mike Choi called me he said President Clinton checked into the hotel and we sent him some Cubans to the room and we sent him a gold cigar I just want to let you know Daniel that the president bought the golden cigar and i says you've got to be kidding <laughs> <laughs> and then three years later i corroborated that story because i was at the terminator premiere at the soho house and mike kivas he's like this uber caa talent agent comes up and says daniel i want you to meet john davidson He's a chief of staff for President Clinton. He's a huge cigar lover. So I'm there with David Tang. David came from London, who, who owned Pacific Cigar, big, big tycoon, David Tang. So we're enjoying our cigars. So let's chat. Let's have a cigar. And he said, yeah, that's cool. And Mike says, Michael Kivas said, and, and, and John, like Daniel does a golden cigar too. And the president's chief of staff thought for a second, he says, you know, matter of fact, I've seen that in my boss's humidor. I always wondered what he was getting. <laughs> so then Great of course story. he went off on the laughing, like, what is he gonna do with that cigar? Great story. <laughs> so two things. One, I caught a little something and we kind of gotta get the coop here, but I caught you said a little something which threw me off. And I, I catch these things in interviews sometimes. You said that eight hundred of those Scarface humors were sold on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Question uh, Universal. Now, Universal did it. I get it. But question, this humidor had gold cigars in it? No, no. Okay. No cigars. Just uh, the, the Blu-ray, $1,000. Okay. I think they sold them at a discount for around 800 Now I'm buying them as fast as I can buy them because people people want these collectible humidors. But no, in Germany, they sold the, the uh, allotment of 200 literally within two hours. Uh, That's great. This humidor. And it was... Like uh, a guy walked up to me at the at the event I told you about the cast and crew reunion, and he said, "So tell me about the humidor." I says, "Well, one thing I can tell you is the it's the world's most expensive Blu-ray packaging ever." And he said, "Would you mind saying that on camera?" I said, "Sure." So 
ABC News walked over. He was the entertainment guy who I didn't recognize. And here ABC is, say, you know, asking me, please say that again, you know. <laughs> That's great. So that so, was, yeah. Just want to let people know that we don't have these online. They're in our rare and vintage room because there's not a lot of these. But anybody who's interested can always call AJ Smokes during the week. The gold cigar does come in single format. And it does come in this pretty cool three-pack travel humidor, desktop humidor, beautifully ah, made by yep. Daniel Marshall. So we have him in both and uh, kind of had a wonderful here journey here with Daniel. Daniel, don't go anywhere. We got another episode. We got another segment for you coming up. But at this point, we need to get our friend on and find out this week, what's the scoop with Coop? What's my theme music? The Scoop with Coop. Breaking industry news. Hear it first on KMA Talk Radio and cigar-coop.com. Cooper. Here he is. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Daniel. Coop, so nice, so nice to see you, and thank you for tuning in. I've been thinking about you. No, no problem. We had a lot of fun when we did that show a couple of months ago. We so, sure uh, did, and I hope they enjoyed the the raffle raffle items as well. They they sure did, and thanks for getting them out. Like we're like everyone got I got them like uh, and they were all excited. So it really uh, was great. And these are great prizes, by the way, that folks are getting here. These are yeah. You know, speaking stuff. of which, I just got to tell because I'm keeping me to say I forget. If you haven't figured it out, you can't post pictures till after the show. This way, we gave everybody enough time to go run and find a Daniel Marshall cigar. They got him buried in humidor, but you can't post pictures on this feed till the live feed is over. So then, that's when the race starts. Yep, yep. That's yeah. And then there's two more, two more prizes to give away. There's the cigar uh, lighter enhancer set that's and right. uh, Daniel Marshall's book as well. Yeah, yep, yep. All, All right. great stuff. All great stuff. By the way, that book is awesome. So you want it? Yeah, it's a good prize. All right, so we, what we got going on this week, uh, Aganorsa Leaf. So if you've been following the Aganorsa Leaf on social media, Terrence Riley has been talking about this concept of validation, uh, validating cigars. Well, uh, that was kind of a lead-in to a, uh, a project that's now going to be launched called the La Validacion series. Uh, and what that is going to be the, um, is they're taking all their core lines and they're rebranding them giving them new packaging, giving them a common set of Vitolas. And uh, you can see it in the picture there. Um, that's going to include their Corojo, their Habano, their Maduro, and their Connecticut, um, each with a different color. Um, they're also going to be streamlining the line to three Vitolas, a Gran Robusto, a Toro, and a Gran Toro. So you'll start the Cito's roll out pretty soon. The Connecticut and the Habano are going to roll out uh, this month. And then the Maduro and the Corojo will probably uh, be out by the time PCA comes. So uh, same blends, but a new look, a new common feel. And let's comment on that. It kind of looks like that this is the beginning and the end of the Casa Fernandez line, uh, at least, because now everything's going on to Aganorsa at this point. I think I think the beginning of the end is when they use the name Aganorsa Leaf. I think that would be the beginning yeah. of the end. Yeah, but now we're starting to see it come off. The okay, well, I'm just saying that would technically be the beginning of the, the end. The beginning, yeah. So now, good point, fair point, fair point. <laughs> good point, yeah. All right. What else is going on, Coop? Uh, anniversary cigars, PCA release uh, is coming from my father's cigars. Flor de las Antillas is uh, going to have a 10th anniversary limited edition cigar. 
Uh, it's going to come in some very exquisite packaging right now. It's 10 years since Florida and uh hit the market. The year it came out, it won number one cigar of the year by Cigar Aficionado. It was a monster hit for the Garcia family. Uh, this one's going to come, this limited edition is going to come in a six and a half by 52 size, which my father's cigars typically uses for their limited editions. Um, it's going to be a different blend. It's going to have a darker wrapper. It's supposed to be a little more bolder. And um, don't have pricing on that yet, but we should see that uh, being um, showcased at the PCA trade show this year. Nice. Yep. nice. What else is up? Uh, Alec Bradley uh, has a sampler that should be out uh, later this month in time for Father's Day. It's called the Taste of the World Chunk Sampler. Now, I can't chunk... tell you how many DMs I got about this sampler. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm in shock. What What is so special about these all regular lines? Is, is it the size? What's it, what? So it's the size, the size of four and a quarter by 60, right? But the only of the, of the four blends, the only one that's been released uh, in the U.S. has been the Magic Toast. Uh, the black market was only available in Canada, and the uh, Gatekeeper and uh, Kintsugi are brand new. So it's a, you know, it's a popular 60 ring gauge. is still a popular size, say what you want, but... Uh, you know, and these are probably the four most popular uh, blends by Alec Bradley right now. You know, you know this this four by sixty ring gauge, four and a half, four and a quarter. It seems to be the hot gauge right now. You know, Padron just released released yeah. the ninety five. Um, Oliva made the Milano in that four by sixty size. It seems to be the new hot size. You know, it's it's, it's been out for decades, right? Yeah, Nub has been out for decades. There. Absolutely, They're all, it's it's essentially the Nub I mean, size. I think Nub, yeah, Nub was the first to do yeah. that. All of a sudden, it's it's hot, hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah it definitely is. Uh, last year, good point. Starting with that Oliva, um, as well. So yeah, good observation, Alex, on that. So like I said, those should be hitting the stores by uh, later this month. If you're into chunk cigars. All right, the final thing comes from Seven Twenty Four Cigars. Uh, last year at the trade show, they came out with a PCA exclusive called the uh, Hustler Five and Dime. And uh, it is finally making it to stores right now. Uh, so this was, like I said, a, a cigar that was only made available to retailers that attended the PCA trade show last year. And Hustler is their barber pole line. Uh, but the Five and Dime is a, a darker contrasting barber pole consisting of a Mexican San Andreas and Brazilian Habano wrapper um, using the two wrappers there. And... Um, so this this one, uh, the Five and Dime is named after, um, it pays homage to those retailers, you know, the Five and Dime retailers. Fits in with Kirk Kendall, the owner's whole theme of nostalgia. I smoked this cigar at the trade show last year. It was very good. So uh, definitely. Yeah, he, just, he just gave me a call confirming we still, we still wanted our trade show order from last <laughs> July. I said, yeah, I didn't Kurt, we've had copy ready since last August. Hey, yeah, I was just yeah. say that. I've been staring at that copy that's been ready to go for five and nine for a month. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, yeah, so definitely check that out. I mean, so he did get it out. So now I heard he's doing another piece. I don't. I heard there's a PCA exclusive coming from them again. I just don't know if it's the same cigar or not. So yeah, you might you might see that one in 2024. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, so is that it for the news, Coop? That's it for the news. I, I know you mentioned Matt Tobacco already. Get in a, they just uh, hit the $10,000 mark this morning. Great. And the Fuente family, they extended it because the Fuente awesome. family is now matching. The Fuente family foundation is matching that. So it, that thing's turned into a juggernaut with those guys have done. Uh, Matt and Nicole. 
you know, I want to say another thing about the Cigar Family Foundation. It's one of the few charitable organizations that I know, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but all the, you know, look, anytime you have a charitable organization, that shit doesn't run for free. No. Right? People got to work. People got to yeah. make things happen. And all the overhead expenses are covered by the J.C. Newman and Fuente families. So yep. the money that you donate, 100% goes to the cause. So very cool. Yeah, yeah. I actually went this went there this year when I was down at DR, and, and you can't help but not be moved of what they accomplished there right now. And what's great about this fundraiser is people donated a lot of stuff, so you could just go buy raffle. You, you make your donation, that gives you raffle tickets. And there's some really good prizes that you mentioned. There's a Daniel Marshall set in there from Jay Davis. He donated that. So um, it's there's a lot of stuff out there, you know. And in the end, it all goes to a good cause. So definitely check it out at smokingtobacco.com. You know what? When is that? When is that charity over? Uh, May twenty fourth. All right, we got time. I'm gonna reach out to Matt. I, I put this away. I don't think I could ever smoke it, but you know, I don't know how old this thing is. This thing's got to be at least, I don't know, four or five years old, if not. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna don't. I'm gonna give him this to add to one of the prizes. In, in in homage of Daniel Marshall being on our show today, I'm gonna give. Away. Wow, that's I'm a gonna, huge deal, man. I'm yeah, gonna send, I'm gonna send him this this cigar. The seal's been busted, but this has been here for years, years. So I'm gonna send this down, and uh, I'll get this. I'll, I'll, we'll just ship it from here. But I'll let Matt include it. I'll send him some pictures after the show. Yep. Thank you. Amazing. So, so um, now in tribute to Coop, we've got another contest. It's another picture posting contest, so you can't do it after the live feed is open. But we got two more prizes left, right, Paul? Yes, we right. have uh, the Daniel Marshall book, and we have the Cigar Enhancer Cutter and Lighter set. I'm going to drive people crazy with these picture postings. Ready? First person to post a picture of Coop's label from his Battle of the Bands experience last week, Ooh. last year, which means you'd had to have purchased one of Coop's samplers. And if you have that label... And you first to post a picture in this feed of this show. What? What? Which of the two last prizes are we going to send? Let, let Coop pick. Which of the two? What two prizes we got left? The book or the enhancer? We have the uh, cigar enhancer or the book. I think let's go with the cigar enhancer. That cutter is something special, and but that's great. But that cutter is something I think people would really want. There you go. That that's incredible. Now, now it's got to be a lot. It's got to be an actual label, or does it have to be? A, could it be a digital label? No, it's got to be one that. So we know that they supported you. They got one of the. Got bag. it. Yep. Yep. They got to take a picture holding of that, it. holding one of your bags from your yep. battle of the bands. I like it, Abe. Contest you, last year. I want to say you made it. You like we were. You you're tougher with your contest. It's not too easy. I think. I gotta yeah, man. You got to earn. Yeah, earn yeah, it. Yeah, you gotta yeah, earn yeah. it. You got to earn, yeah, earn big prizes. Yeah, you yeah. Be, you want to be in the smoke universe, the smoking universe. You want to be part of this exciting thing. You got to earn it. Right. So we'll we'll know who's really fans. Yeah, They're yeah. gonna get it. Nice, nice, good job. All right. Well, that being said, uh, check out more news and updates at cigar-coop.com. See, I memorized it. Paul removed the bottom of the screen there already, yeah. but I still got it right. Uh, check more stuff out. <laughs> Check more stuff out, and um, it's time for Tale of the Teep Tape. We are in week six of season four, the best mascots ever. Let's see who makes the list this week.
right, here we go. Tale of the tape. We're actually in the top five now. So starting off my top five, my number five pick is the Stanford tree. So I have a little bit of an affinity for extremely bizarre mascots, and this probably tops the list. But with that being said, don't mess with the Stanford tree. I have two quick stories. 1995, at a basketball game, in the middle of the game, the Stanford tree gets into a full-blown fist fight with the mascot of Cal Berkeley, ripping off the head of the mascot into a full-blown fight in front of everybody. Then 2005, the mascot is observed sipping out of a flask on the sideline and during a game and then winds up blowing twice the legal alcohol limit. So a tree it may be, but don't mess with the damn tree. Go ahead, nice. Coop. That was a nice, I was laughing when I, you told me you picked that one. So I am going with an, a college mascot as well. And I went with Otto the Orange uh, from Syracuse University. Now, I'm going to be honest. Otto the Orange is not necessarily an original mascot. I, it was based on a uh, Obi the Orange, who was the Orange Bowl mascot. But uh, Syracuse does have the Orange men. They were looking for a mascot. And they basically took Obi and... They kind of made him a like, – Obi was, like, super happy-go-lucky. Um, Otto, he's happy but not quite as happy-go-lucky. And he and they replaced Obi's crown with a a Syracuse cap. But he, he's, he's just become a fixture at both the base I – mean, at the basketball and the football games. Um, there is an epic video out there where Otto gets into an absolute brawl with the Virginia Hokie uh, bird. Uh, when Syracuse is losing 41 to nothing and Otto's like getting his butt kicked in this thing by the, by the hokey. Uh, but, uh, like I said, Otto, I think he's become one of the more popular ones. I mean, I, you, you, when you go up to Syracuse, I've been there. You can't not see his presence there. He, he's big in that city. So Otto, the orange comes in at number five. Hey, listen, man, if you're a mascot and you get into a brawl, I feel like you got credibility. You get, get- you get credibility. Yeah, exactly. You get that street cred. Yeah. <laughs> this list is getting stranger by the week. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling. I have never seen this guy. Me yeah, neither. That is a scary looking friggin' mascot. In typical fashion, Coop and I are going to start, you know. Getting, getting closer together. Similar. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a feeling we have a couple in the top four for sure. Well, there you have it. Tale of the Tape, Season 4, Week 6. Only four more picks left. We're going to see how it goes in the upcoming weeks, see how it pans out. Uh, thanks to the guys over uh, for this episode. Also, I just want to let Matt Tobacco know, so everybody out there knows, is that um, I have marked this case from the personal stash of Honest Abe. So you know you're not getting one of the ones from our retail shelves. You're getting the one that came out of my humidor back there. So... That's going to send some pictures out to Matt Tobacco later for that. And as always, is Daniel on? He is. We are going to end our show in traditional fashion, Daniel, with a very fun segment called Would You Rather, sponsored by by Gurkha Cigars. Daniel, we're going to ask you three questions, three questions only. I'm going to give you two choices, and you're just going to have to tell us which one you'd rather do. Oh, now, 
story tells me that when you used to work on boats in your very young life, one of the boat people you worked on boats was Sylvester Stallone. Is that true? That's true. How did that happen? Um, I was working in a marine store and as a way to get 50% off on personal purchases so I could buy my screws and everything and in walk these guys who work and commission boats that are coming from Finland, the Swans or from Taiwan. A lot of boats were coming from Taiwan. And so they met me in the Marine store and they said, Hey, you want to come work for us? You know, we'll pay you triple what you're making here. And I says, okay, why not? Sounds like a good idea. So the very first day that I went to the yard called in Mariner's village in Marina del Rey, they put me on Stallone's boat because they got the job to install a TV. So it was my job to take this AC, uh, you know, uh, it was probably 14 inch TV and build a teak frame around it and install it in, in the, in the, uh, in the main cabin. And the night, the name of the boat was called Nighthawk, which was his movie. I wasn't yep. much of a film buff or I didn't know too much about movies or, or celebrities. Uh, but I just remember the first day that I got the keys and I was going down to the boat, it was early in the morning and I slid the hatch open and I walked down into the boat thinking no one's there. Someone was there and he was in the back <laughs> sleeping. And that was really embarrassed. I ran out of the boat. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, these questions were geared around these two people. We'll get one of your friends and uh, two of your friends, I assume. So they're all around Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Are you ready? I'm That's ready. the theme for your questions. One, if you had to be in a street fight, who would you rather fight? Sylvester Stallone? Or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pick one. Which, the question is, which one could I run fast enough, further <laughs> and faster from? Who would be the better, faster runner? Who are you? Who would you be more intimidated by? Who would you? Who, who would you? Or, I mean, I mean, less intimidated by actually. Oh who would God. you rather have to fight? That's an impossible question to answer. You got to pick one. <laughs> pick one. Both equally. <laughs> All right. I would just have to outrun those two. All right. Who, who do you, who do you think you could outrun? Runners. Who do you think you could outrun? Uh, I would try to outrun both. <laughs> but oh, yeah. I, I would uh, I would think that uh, probably uh, Sly. I could outrun Sly. Not he's got shorter. Running. He's got shorter legs. It makes sense. He's yeah. got shorter legs. It makes sense. All right. Yeah. So, all right. <laughs> Now, here's a good one. Ready? Ready. If you were stranded on a boat in the middle of the ocean, who would you rather be stranded with? Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger? Well, my friendship is much longer and much deeper with Governor Schwarzenegger. So Governor Schwarzenegger, for sure. There you go. And if they made a movie about your life, who would you see better portraying you? Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> That's too funny, you guys. Um, well, there's no doubt that uh, that Governor they Schwarzenegger... Both, they both have such staunch accents. I'm not sure which one would work. Yeah, yeah. well, if, if, you're, if, if, the, if the actor needs to know the subject 
very well, like inside and out, that would be Governor Schwarzenegger. He knows he knows everything. <laughs> Twenty six years of friendship. There you have it. Oh, yo, yo, I'm I'm gonna make a boat and I'm gonna sail around the world. <laughs> All I'm, of that I'm, will I'm, never happen. That's what I'm doing. All of that will <laughs> never happen. <laughs> Well, this has been a very fun segment of Would You Rather, brought to you by our fine friends over at Gurkha Cigars. Yeah, nice this to is, see Juan's face. You know, I isn't he great in that segment? I, he was such a sport about that. That's one of my favorite it. intros to the show. It was very it's good. Really cool. Well, it's this so, has been the end of episode number 459. Oh, the we book. gave away everything, right? We gotta the give book. away the book. All right, Alex, come up with something. It's your I'm turn. I'm going to give away this. Oh, man, come on. Oh, man, come on. Almost bought. Yeah, the only thing we have left is the book. Okay. All right. How do we give away the book? All right. Here's what we're going to do. I mean, it's going to be a pick em. I'm going to pick. Post in the comments. I was going to say, okay. Post, <laughs> post in the comments the last book you read, and I will pick the winner. Based Very on well done. You, you, got, you got till 30 minutes after the show. We'll stop looking at comments after 30 minutes. Alex will pick. The best book that he thinks of the last book you've read, and they will win that book by Daniel Marshall. This has made an end to episode number 459. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. It was a, a wonderful pleasure. time to have you first time on KMA Talk Radio. Thank really? you. Really? It was great. I loved every Don't minute. Know. Thank you, guys. Congratulations on your show, on your 25th anniversary. Thank Coop, you. Thanks so much for tuning in, and uh, thanks for all your hard work and making the cigar uh, industry what it is for all of us. And making it possible without you we're nothing which is really true without the press and without the beautiful shops that you have really abe i'm super super excited and uh, we keep the campfire going in all your That's shops it. everybody loves that campfire i've been in multiple of your places and i you see happy faces everywhere the modern day campfire right there the my I, I you know i noticed when you said that during the show and i couldn't squeeze it in, but i said you know what because every now and then I hear a tagline. I love that tagline. That's a great tagline, the modern-day campfire. So I will borrow that from you, sir, in your honor. Thank you very much. Smoke, Coop. fire, it's all in our DNA. It's been there for generations, thousands of years, and that's why we have that connection with the people. It's because of the smoke and the fire and, uh, and, and, and that history in our blood. I think that's where it comes from. Awesome. And Coop, uh, Coop, as always, thank you for your contribution this week. We hope we entertained you, made you laugh, maybe even if we're lucky, taught you a little something. But thanks for joining us. It's the best way to spend your Saturday mornings. Uh, if you don't follow Smoke In or KMA Talk Radio on uh, Facebook or Instagram, please do so. Please join our private community on Facebook, Smoke In Social. Great place to hang out. Next week, we have the quintessential pianist. Rafael Nodal, who will be on, uh, maybe we can get him to play a little piano for us next week. He'll be on KMA Talk Radio next week. Until then, everybody, enjoy your weekend, and please keep it lit.